listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, thanks for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, we had the Oscars on Sunday, so we'll recap that. Uh, tomorrow is the NFL Draft. Um, I'll share my mock draft with you guys today, and then uh, we'll discuss some possible trades uh, that are probably going to happen tomorrow. Um, I expect there to be a lot of trades. And we'll check in on the NBA. Uh, there's about 10 to 12 games left for each team uh, before we head to the playoffs and start those play-in games. And then I wanted to touch a bit on baseball, some MLB headlines. It's usually just me complaining about baseball with the way that they're doing things and the way that they've minimized their, uh, the viewing of availability for uh, certain fans. So first I want to get into the Oscars. Uh, they still had some restrictions with COVID, so they did it at Union Square instead of their uh, original venue, and it was limited to only nominees, past winners, and then their guests. So it was, uh, And then they all had like little tables and, and booths where they were all sitting and, and hanging out with uh, the people that they made particular movies with. Uh, so it was kind of weird, and they didn't really have a host per se they just had a couple people saying things here and there but i mean it wasn't there wasn't any like little clips or anything that that were funny like in years past uh where they do little um spoofs of stuff and uh but i mean i guess considering the circumstances with covid and everything it was it was a fine uh show i, I thought it was kind of weird that they did uh best picture third to last and then after that they did uh for uh, best actor and then best actress after that, I guess best actor was uh, was the last one, uh, but I, I got a couple of picks right at least. I got a uh, best director Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, and then uh, best supporting actress uh, Yoon Yoo Jung for Minari, and then uh, what else? Who else won? Uh, the father, uh, Anthony Hopkins, ended up winning best actor, which I was pretty surprised about. I thought it would be uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, or Riz Ahmed. Because uh, I just really liked um, those performances, but uh, Anthony Hopkins ended up winning, and he's a great actor. If you guys watch uh, Westworld, he was so good in in Westworld, which is uh, some of his recent work. I didn't like uh, the Two Popes on on HBO; it was just kind of weird for me. But um, I still haven't seen The Father. It's a hard movie to to track down to to find and watch, uh, but it it kind of resonated with a lot of people and and gave a little bit of uh, thinking with people, and it kind of stuck with people in a way, um, just because of, of its content and what it's about. And um, But I will, I will watch it. And that's why I was surprised that, um, that Anthony Hopkins won, because there was no talk about about this movie at all. And then the, the way that they played it was, you know, it was um, they kind of held on to it, the studios did, and then they released it in certain areas and you know you could watch it in theaters and then i think they did it i forget what streaming service but they only had it on certain streaming services for a certain period of time and then it was it was for purchase and it was just like confusing but i guess they they timed it perfectly for the academy because uh, he they got certain exposure and then they did it right at the end before the deadline for submissions so it was perfect timing on their part and then uh, Best Actress, this was my original pick, Frances McDormand, because I just thought she was just amazing in that movie. She really put that whole movie and production on her back, pretty much, and uh, carried it. And I don't know if it'd be the same without her, but you know, I, it was one of my favorite movies. That one and uh, Sound of Metal, was, those were two of my favorite movies out of this group uh, for this year. But um, yeah, she was just so good in that. And uh, this is her third Oscar, which is, I think she's the 10th actress to accomplish that feat so it was a historic night for her it was a historic night for glenn close though not in a good way she has been nominated 10 times and she has the most nominations without a win um and then let's see who else won uh, daniel kaluuya he won for best supporting actor uh, for judas and the black messiah um i had lakeith stanfield that one was kind of weird because like who was the main the main character or the main actor in that movie it seemed like it was more about Lakeith Stanfield instead of uh, Fred Hampton. So, you know, I thought one of them should have been, uh, you know, in the running for Best Actor, and then the other one should have been Supporting. But they were both under the Best Supporting Actor category, which I thought was weird. So either you, you put both of them in, in the main. I thought you just had to split it up. That was just kind of weird to me because um, then they just cancel each other out, basically. And then best picture was Nomadland, which I think was the favorite the entire time. Um, I had picked Sound of Metal just because that, that was uh, my favorite movie. 
And uh, yeah, that, those are all the main ones, all the, the big awards. Um, International Feature Film was another round. That one is available on Hulu. And then uh, Best Animated Feature was Soul. Best Documentary Feature, uh, My Octopus Teacher. And then Best Original Screenplay, Promising Young Woman. Best Adapted Screenplay, The Father. Best Visual Effects, Tenet. Those are the main winners. And it, this was actually the lowest viewed um, Oscar ceremony. And last year, it broke the record. Last year was actually the worst ever. And then this year topped that. Um, so I don't know. I think there's just a lot um, that kind of goes into that. You know, people weren't going to the movies. And then you had to stream these movies on a bunch of different streaming services. And then some people were just didn't have access to that or didn't want to. Or some of these movies were hard to, hard to find, you know, to watch. I like watching the award shows, though. They're, I like everyone gets all dressed up. Everyone's kind of being celebrated. They're celebrating all these good movies that um, some of us have watched all or some of us didn't. But um, I always look forward to that every year. And also the, um, what is it, the, the Emmys. The Emmys are always fun to watch, too. Switching gears here. Um, so I watched the mayor of East Town that the show was telling you about in the last episode with Kate Winslet where she's a detective in her hometown and stuff like that. And anyway, the first episode, like I said, was a little slow, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give the second episode a chance. And, Matt, great decision, because this second episode, there is some twists and turns there, and it just gets – it's so juicy now, and I am very excited for the next episode. Can't wait to watch the next one on Sunday. Um, I think it's six episodes or, or eight, something like that, but it's a mini series, and it's, it's already – pretty intense you know everyone just dislikes her in this town they're just like man fuck her they just they just can't stand her at all and i don't know why there's there's probably something else there than what has been revealed already and uh, yeah if you haven't watched it, you should check it out it's um very interesting um now i'm all i'm sucked in now doesn't take much but now i'm, I'm all in on this show we had a couple nfl trades this one happened today actually teddy bridgewater traded from the carolina panthers to the denver broncos and then this one was a few days ago. Orlando Brown was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs for like multiple uh, second-round picks, I believe, if I remember correctly. I don't have those notes in front of me. Uh, but Orlando Brown was the uh, offensive lineman for the Ravens. He's, I think he's only like 24 years old. Um, he was a highly touted prospect. and then But they just had him in the wrong position. The Ravens did. And then there was um, some issues there. And he had, uh, I think he demanded a trade or they were trying to trade him. And there was some locker room issues there. But anyway, uh, Kansas City, though, this is a great move for KC, like I said, after the Super Bowl, was that they need to get Patrick Mahomes an offensive line. And, you know, I expect them to address that and put all the money that they have into that. So what happened uh, was that Patrick Mahomes restructured his contract, and so did uh, Travis Kelsey. And then they, they shored up the offensive line. They re-signed some guys. They signed some big free agency names there and then they weren't done yet they still made this trade for uh for brown and and brought him in and he he's he's young and you know he's he's not expensive and he's going to be there for a while and you know watch out for kansas city you know that was like their only issue there on offense was that offensive line they had patrick mahomes running around everywhere and just getting sacked and and just getting injured and you know so they got to reinforce that part of the team and they did that um, so I, I mean, I expect them to bounce back even with that, even without making any other moves for their team, just doing that. I think that makes them a favorite instantly. And then there's Tampa on the NFC side. They brought everyone back and then they also added, uh, Giovanni Bernard from the, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So they brought all their old guys back and they're just trying to get another ring. They're just trying to get back to the championship. And just trying to squeeze as much wins as they can out of Tom Brady while he's still around. Um, they restructured his contract. So I think he's he has two more years left on his contract, if I remember correctly. Um, and then back to the, the Teddy Bridgewater trade. I don't think this means that, that Denver is completely out of the quarterback picture when it comes to, when it comes to uh, the draft. But this is something that they could plug in and could, you know, be a... A leader in the locker room and on the field and he could play right now you know he's not he's not gonna blow you away with his with his stats or anything but you know he could get you some wins he could fill in for someone and they need to get off drew lock drew lock is not the guy there 
and Denver, and he's struggled. You know, they have a they have a pretty decent team. You know, if they had a really good quarterback, they can they can probably make the playoffs. Um, but you know, I think they'll still get a quarterback at number nine. Um, so I'll I'll go into my my mock draft now. Um, so I think everyone knows who Jacksonville is going to get. That's why Urban Meyer took the job. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence, quarterback. And then the Jets, we all know what they're going to do as well. They're taking Zach Wilson. You know, they traded uh, Sam Darnold to Carolina to for, to open up space for uh, Zach Wilson. Man, I, have you guys seen a picture of Zach Wilson? He he looks like he should be in Back to the Future as Biff. He just looks like a, I don't know, he, he just screams privilege. He just has the most punchable face I've ever seen in a quarterback. I And I guarantee you, you will not see that or hear that on any other mock draft. or you, No one on ESPN is going to tell you that. Zach Wilson has a punchable face. And I don't know. I just don't don't like his face. He suffers from bad face. Anyway, but he might be good for, for the Jets, though. You know, that's okay. There's there's quarterbacks who look like that who are, who are good quarterbacks. I just, I don't know. When, the quarterback, you have to be so particular with the quarterback, you know, and... There's just something off about Zach Wilson. I don't know what it is when I hear him talk and just seeing what he looks like and the way he carries himself. I just get bad vibes. I don't know. So for some of these guys, you could just kind of tell, right? You could just tell someone who, who might not make it. But everyone else thinks he's going to make it, so I could be wrong. I don't know. And the 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 most talked about pick here is seems to be San Francisco at the number three pick. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, has he knows who he's going to get. And people have said Mac Jones, but then apparently the scouting department is saying Trey Lance, you know, and he's working with a quarterback guru and they're monitoring his, his progress. And, you know, I was like, okay, well that can that progress, you know, make them change their mind on Mac Jones and, and then pick Trey Lance. So I don't, I don't really know, but you know, this all depends on what they do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Apparently they're going to aggressively try to trade him during or before the draft. So he's going to be gone, like, probably tomorrow. So if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they take Mac Jones. Because I think Mac Jones can play for you right now. Because he's been playing a lot more football than Trey Lance. Trey Lance has played, like, one season, one full season in the last three years. And, like, this past year, he only played one game, and that was, like, a showcase game. So he's more of a project. I think he has more upside than Mac Jones. Mac Jones, he's kind of what he is. He, you know, you saw what he did at Alabama with all these NFL future NFL stars, and he didn't really have to try too hard for a lot of offensive plays. He had a great offensive line. And he, I mean, he's at Alabama. We've seen the track record with Alabama quarterbacks and in the NFL, and it hasn't been good. Uh, but Trey Lance, there's something fascinating about Trey Lance for me. I would take Trey, Trey Lance here, and then, but if you're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, I would do that. Keep Trey Lance as, and have him as a, you know understudy or whatever you want to call it and then after this year with jimmy garoppolo when he he loses his no trade clause then you trade him next season but you let jimmy garoppolo play the season and let trey lance uh you know kind of learn under him i would i'm gonna say since jimmy garoppolo is still on the roster i'm gonna say that the 49ers take trey lance but if if he's gone then i think it's mac jones and with that you know I, I hate the way that they're treating Jimmy Garoppolo. He took him to the Super Bowl. I, I get, you know, out of his three years, he's been healthy one year. But that one year, they went to the Super Bowl. And they were a pass away, basically, from winning that Super Bowl. If he hits Emmanuel Sanders on that deep pass, instead of overthrowing him, they, they win the Super Bowl. And also, the play calling wasn't the best. But, you know, for some reason, it's all Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. And I just don't understand why... Um, you know, when he's healthy, he's good. But, you know, they've battled injuries as a team. He hasn't been the only one that's been injured this whole time. And, you know, if they are trading him, I think he gets he goes back to New England. You know, New England brought back Cam Newton on a one-year contract. Um, I think – I don't think it's non, it's uh, guaranteed, though. So they can cut him and, and then just, like, not have any dead cap space. Um, so I think, though, it'll, it'll be a trade to New England when they do trade him. But it, it seems like his time there is done. Ryan's on the wall. They haven't committed to him. They've just been bullshitting him in, in, the, in the media and to him probably privately. And he's handled it well. He hasn't come out and demanded a trade or anything. He's been, he's been pretty cool about it for losing his job and, 
you know, I, I, it's a shame to see him leave like that because, you know, he was a big-ticket trade and free agency target when we got him, when we traded for him. And, you know, I thought he was going to do great things, and he did. You know, the team has been great under him. You know, they've had a good defense, and um, they've played well when he's been healthy. But, um, yeah, I just it's it sucks to see him go. I, I was a fan of him for sure. Um, but, yeah, Trey Lance, number three, the 49ers, if they keep Jimmy Garoppolo. The Falcons, oh, but, you know, I will say this first uh, before I move on to the Falcons. I would love to see the 49ers take Kyle Pitts. They're, everyone's saying he's just going to be a, a great uh, tight end in the league. He's going to be like George Kittle type, you know. Um, he's just a freak athlete. He's the number two rated prospect in this year's draft. I would love for the 49ers to just be blowing smoke you know, everyone thinking they're going to take a quarterback, and then they just take Kyle Pitts, and then they they, they do two tight end sets. They have George Kittle and Kyle Pitts, and then they have that great offensive line, that great defensive line, and then they just they just run it back with Jimmy Garoppolo there, and then they have all these offensive weapons. That's what I would like to see, but I don't think that's happening. Uh, the Falcons at number four, I think they're going to take Kyle Pitts, uh, tight end out of Florida. Um, you know, apparently they're, they're taking calls for Julio Jones. So if it depends, I guess, like, why would you take Kyle Pitts and then trade Julio Jones? You gotta, you gotta kind of keep that core together. If you're not going to take a quarterback at number four and run it back. Cause you have the, the way that the contract for Matt Ryan, um, plays out, it's, they're kind of tied to him for a couple years because if they, if they get rid of him or try to cut bait, I think they have like 28 million in dead cap space. So that's not good. And then. I think he's 37, so he probably has, you know, three years left, you know, playing pretty decently because, you know, quarterbacks are, are playing longer than they did before. So I would take Kyle Pitts here and keep Julio Jones and then just try to see if you could get the most out of Matt Ryan at this uh, point in his career. Um, you know, you have Drew Brees who retired with the Saints, so maybe they, they'll be worse off. Maybe they'll be better. Who knows? But then you also have the Bucks there. And then the Panthers, you, you can assume that they'll be better in that division with Sam Darnold. Um, and then the Bengals at number five, I have them taking Panay Sewell out of Oregon, offensive lineman. He's, I think he's the best uh, offensive lineman in this draft. Um, but there is an issue with the relationship between Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. They play together at LSU. And d is Joe Burrow campaigning with the front office and telling them to take Jamar Chase? Does he seem like that kind of guy? To me, he doesn't. And I think he's, he's smarter with that. He's a smart football player, and he understands he needs the offensive line because, you know, we saw how the season ended last season, last year. Uh, no offensive line. He gets sacked, tears his ACL out for the season. So they obviously need an offensive lineman. They need Panay Sewell. But I, I would really like to see that Jamar Chase pick. But, you know, I think the smart pick, safe pick, Panay Sewell, number five. Number six, the Dolphins, Devontae Smith. That's who I have from Alabama. Just kind of reunites him with uh, with Tua Tagovailoa. They might take Jamar Chase though there too. There's some other options, but you know I've have heard rumors that they may take Justin Fields instead of Devontae Smith or someone like that because they don't they're not completely sold on Tua. And I'm not really sold on Tua. You know he's kind of he was in and out of the lineup. Like even when he was healthy, they were bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick to close games. So that that showed me that they didn't have true belief in Tua and you know they were they if they won that last game they would have made the playoffs and he wasn't able to lead them there and you know at a certain point when the Seahawks were trying to trade Russell Wilson apparently which now they're saying like oh we didn't actually take calls but like okay um, the Dolphins had offered Tua for Russell Wilson they were ready to do that so we'll see on this draft if the Dolphins truly believe in Tua because if they take Justin Fields then it's over for Tua uh, but like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of trades here. You know, you're going to expect, I think the Patriots, they might they might move up or move down. Uh, but that all, that all depends. So uh, now the Lions at number seven, I have them taking Jamar Chase. Um, you know, they, they did just get Jared Goff, and, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild mode. Um, and Jamar Chase is going to be really good. You know, we saw what Justin Jefferson did um, in Minnesota, and Jamar Chase is supposed to be better. Than Justin Jefferson, you know, uh, Chase is just taking this year off for COVID and to prepare for the NFL draft. Um, and then the Panthers, I have them taking Rashawn Slater out of, I think he's at Northwestern. He's offensive lineman, but he's a second rated uh, offensive lineman. They need to get Sam Darnold some protection. And then number nine, the Broncos. I have the Broncos taking Justin Fields. Okay. And 
You know, he is actually the second-rated quarterback, depending on who you ask, but um, I don't expect him to fall past nine. If he does fall past nine, I expect the Patriots to take him at 15. But the Broncos need face of a franchise type of player. They haven't had that quarterback. They're obviously missing the quarterback. You know, they have some aging players on defense, and they have a good young core of receivers. Um, So I think Justin Fields is the right pick for him. I don't know why Justin Fields... Uh, his stock has been falling as of late. He had that great game against uh, Clemson in that semifinal. Uh, he had like six touchdowns. They just dominated Clemson. Um, so you know he's put up good numbers, and I'm not I'm not sure what the issue there is. Uh, the Cowboys at ten. I, they need a they need to bolster that defense. They had a major defensive issues uh, last season. They got all the weapons on offense that they need. They have multiple wide receivers. They got Dak coming back and uh, Zeke Elliott. Hopefully, he could bounce back. Um, so I have them taking Patrick Sertan from Alabama. Uh, he's actually the second. His uh, his dad also played in the NFL. Uh, the Giants, uh, I, have the, I have them taking Micah Parsons from Penn State, linebacker. Um, you know, they, they, they just, they have a lot of issues as well. And, you know, defense, their defense did get a little bit better towards the end of the season, and I think uh, this will help uh, solidify that defense for them. Uh, the Eagles. Uh, they have a lot of issues as well. There's a lot of these teams that have a lot of problems, especially in the NFC uh, East. I have them taking Jalen Waddle from Alabama. Uh, he was injured early in the season. He missed, I think he missed the rest of the the season after week four, and then he came back into the championship game, if you remember. And he just looked, he didn't look right. Remember that he he they gave him some screens and and he struggled. He was kind of limping, and then a bunch of people were tweeting at him, telling him, hey. You already you already made it in the NFL. You're gonna get drafted. Just you know, sit this one out. It's fine. Um, and then the Chargers, I have them taking J.C. Horn, or is that Jace Horn? Um, he's the son of Joe Horn. If you remember Joe Horn, number eighty-seven wide receiver for the uh, the Saints. I think he's a second-rated corner. And the Vikings, I have taking Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I think I did that right. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Uh, inside linebacker from Notre Dame, help bolster their defense as well. Patriots here. This I think things get interesting. There's been a lot of reports that they're going to trade either up or down in their spot right here, but it all depends where these quarterbacks get taken ahead. Um, they do like Justin Fields. There was early rumors about them liking Mac Jones, so I have them taking Trey Lance if the 49ers do end up taking uh, Mac Jones. But Mac Jones is like that's. Bill Belichick's type of quarterback, I believe. And he has a strong relationship with Nick Saban. So I think there's been some early scouting and early communication there already. So I have the Patriots taking Mac Jones at number 15. I think that, you know, Adam Schefter came out and was like, hey, the 49ers are definitely taking Mac Jones. They bet on it and all this, and he was a favorite. I think it's bullshit. I think Shanahan has something of his up his sleeve, and he's not letting anyone know. No one in the organization knows except... Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. So we'll see. I just got to say, I love the draft. I'm, I'm excited for the draft. And I we had the Oscars this week and the draft the same week. It's That's exciting. I love that kind of stuff. Um, and then the Cardinals, I have them taking uh, Tevin Jenkins. He is offensive line from uh, Oklahoma State. He's a fourth-ranked tackle. Uh, it's got great size, and yeah, they gotta protect Kyler Murray. They gotta protect their their prize possession. They have other spots on that team that are already filled with veteran players. Um, so yeah, they just, they just need more protection there. This next pick, I'm excited about because I think it's a little interesting. I don't know if it's even been talked about that much, but I have the Raiders taking to- uh, Kyle Trask from Florida, quarterback. I think John Gruden, he's He's been looking for ways to replace Derek Carr this entire time. For a few years now, he kind of flirted with, with the whole idea of getting Kyler Murray and trading trading up and stuff like that. But Kyle Trask, big arm. You know, he was in the race for Heisman uh, when he was at Florida, and then they lost, like, some key games. They lost that game against LLC. They lost a, a couple uh, close games there at the end, and then he kind of fell off towards the end. But, you know, he put up big numbers – you know, he has some inaccuracy issues. You know, he, he kind of overthrows some guys. But, um, and, you know, everyone's talking about how great Kyle Pitts is. But, you know, he, he didn't have that, you know, that 
great stats, though, you know, playing with Kyle Trask. So um, I, I think he's more of a project there for, for Oakland. Or not Oakland. I'm still used to that shit. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, I guess. Um, so, you know, I, I think it'll be two years maybe where they're, they're just going to stash him on the, on the bench and just have Derek Carr there. Kind of similar to what the Packers are doing with Jordan Love. You know, I assume Jordan Love is going to be on the bench for two, three years. But Kyle Trask could be the future for the Oakland, Los Angeles, Las Vegas Raiders, Anaheim Raiders. Um, so, yeah, look for them to do that. Uh, the Dolphins, you know, they got another pick in the first round, 18th pick. If they if they listen to me, I think they'll have great um, great offensive weapons there for uh, for Tua. You know, with the sixth pick, I had them picking Devontae Smith. He had a, a great one of the best uh, seasons for a, a college wide receiver. Not better than Michael Crabtree. Remember that season with Texas Tech, over two thousand yards receiving. Just remember that beat beat Texas. Um, and then yeah, the Dolphins at number eighteen. I have them picking Travis Etienne uh, from Clemson. They need a running back bad. They had seven or what is it like eight different running backs starting for them last season. Couldn't get consistent help out of the backfield. And I think Travis Etienne, he he's played in big games. He he's he was a good weapon for Trevor Lawrence, and I think he'll he'll be the same for Tua. Take some pressure off Tua, you know, because it was all the focus was on the quarterback, you know, because they they had no running game, and so everyone knew what they were going to do offensively. And I think this will help them mix things up. Um, and let's see, number 19, you have Washington football team. There's been a lot of interest here uh, because there's a report that Washington is going to try to trade up in the draft. But apparently it's not to target a quarterback. And Ron Rivera was saying, uh, oh, you know, I think we could take a quarterback when we find one that's going to be good for us. But we don't want to just take any quarterback for, for just the sake of taking a quarterback. So I'm not really sure what they're trying to do or who he's trying to take. But I, I don't believe all that stuff. I think they're going to go try to get a quarterback. Because last year they had a great defense. you know, And they made some players on offense with you know with Alex Smith and, and their other quarterbacks who, just, who weren't consistent. They had different quarterbacks. And you know, they had some great wins late in the season. You know, and I think that team is a quarterback away. And I think they make a move for a quarterback. I just don't think it's right now. I think they they maybe they trade for for Jimmy G. You know, maybe they offer that first round pick that um, that San Francisco wants. You know, and I think because I think the Patriots are only going to probably give up a second round pick, but maybe they try to trade for Jimmy G. In this case, I think they go offensive line. I think they take uh, Christian Derisaw or Derisaw from uh, from Virginia Tech offensive tackle. And then number 20, the Bears. I have them taking Elijah Moore, a wide receiver out of uh, Ole Miss, mainly because Allen Robinson was franchise tagged, and he's been upset about it, and he's obviously going somewhere else. Like he, he wants to play for another team, and he's just going to play out his contract, and he's gone, and they needed to fill that void. You know, their running game is decent, and uh, their defense is all right. They got Andy Dalton. And he's just a British quarterback until they can find something else. Um, but yeah, I think they're they're lacking wide receiver depth, and I think that's the move they make. Uh, number twenty one, the Colts. I have them taking uh, Quiddy Pay, defensive end from Michigan. They already have a strong defense, so why not bring someone else in and you know give them time to uh, to build and to grow uh, with that defensive line and just get. Just get stronger there because they have a great offense. I mean, the Colts can be good this year. They have uh, Carson Wentz now, and they had they were a playoff team last year. Um, so you know they're already a good team, and you know they're just adding something else there to the mix uh, to, to give somebody some time to grow. So they had a good defense. They have a good running game. They have some good receivers. Great offensive line. Um, they're they're pretty set. They're going to be good next year season. Uh, the Titans. I have them taking um, Jalen Phillips defensive end from Miami. Uh, so they lost Jadavion Clowney to the Browns. And the Titans, late in the season, their issue was their defense. Their defense wasn't getting stops, wasn't getting the quarterback as well as they had in the past. So I think this is a good way to fill that void. Not right away, but fill that void for um, Jadavion Clowney and hopefully get some more sacks and just get to the quarterback and get some stops. You know, Because that, that's where uh, their team... 
had issues last season. That's why they, they weren't able to make a deeper run. And then the the Steelers, or the Jets, of the Jets taking Najee Harris, running back from Alabama. Uh, he's a dual threat running back. Take some pressure off Zach Wilson. Help him out offensively because they, they have no weapons on offense at all. And, well, I mean, we saw what happened with Darnold. He had some issues there. Um, and I think Najee's going to be a good pro. He's from Antioch, if you don't know that. Um, and, yeah, and, you know, I know the Steelers won him badly. So look for and the Steelers have the next pick right after the Jets there. Um, so if he's not there, then I think the, the Steelers are going to take Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. He's a running back who I think the year before he had 2,000 yards rushing. And, you know, they just let James Conner go to Arizona. And there was reports that they're looking to draft a running back in the first round. They want to replace Conner, you know, with a bigger bigger talent. You know, Conner kind of tailed off there towards the end of his, his tenure there. Um, so that's what I expect. And then Jacksonville has the next pick. After that, number 25, I have them picking Liam Eichenberg, uh, tackle from Notre Dame. You know, common theme here, you got to protect your quarterbacks, and then other side, you got to be able to get to the quarterback. So um, they want to protect Trevor Lawrence. They got to get some some more weapons on for Jacksonville. You know, they did have James Robinson. He was an undrafted rookie last season. He was a good running back for them last year. And then the Browns with the 26th pick, uh, Trayvon Morig, safety at TCU. And then the Ravens, their main issue on offense has been that their wide receivers can't get any separation, and Lamar Jackson has to bail out and just run it. And then they're, So then they've had to rely on the running game, and then they've had some uh, defensive issues where they haven't been able to get stopped. So I have uh, Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota. They need a, wide, a number one wide receiver. Hollywood Brown, he's not it. You know, he, he shows flashes sometimes, and he's a deep threat here and there, but they need someone who's consistent, and I think uh, Rashad Bateman can be that guy for them. Um, and then the Saints, I have them taking uh, Jamin Davis, inside linebacker from Kentucky. You know, I don't think – I think they need to bolster their defense. You know, their offense has been been the best part of their team, you know, for a lot of years, but their defense actually has a lot of solid young stars up and coming stars there on that team and you know if they just keep adding to that they can be a dominant defensive team and you normally don't think of of new orleans like that especially with sean payton and and with drew Brees in years past but now they're gonna look a little different and um i don't know whoever they decide to be their quarterback we'll we'll have to play that by ear and then the 29th pick the packers i have them taking uh greg newsom or a wide receiver. Greg Newsom is a corner for Northwestern, but you know there's been a lot of talk about wide receivers, so um, I think they need to, they would need to trade up a little bit higher to get one of those top receivers. Um, so we'll we'll see that. I think I expect the Packers to, to make a move there. And then number thirty, you have the Bills. I've been taking Christian Barmore, defensive tackle from Alabama. You know these last few teams like the Bills. They have they're so good, so talented offensively and defensively. Like they, at this point, they could just take best available player. Um, and then the Ravens, I have them taking uh, at number thirty one. They have a lot of picks here in the first round. They might take uh, Zaven Collins, outside linebacker out of Tulsa. Um, like I said earlier, they you know there were some times where um, their defense was a little vulnerable, and I think uh, that'll be a good pick for them. And then number thirty-two, the Bucks. You know, same story. Like as the Bills, are they're, they're. I mean, they just won the Super Bowl, so you know they could pick a young player to develop or you know best talent. Um, I them taking in a corner, Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, that name will be very familiar to Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady was teammates of him with him uh, when he was in New England, and then he also played with uh, the Eagles. And yeah, if you don't remember Asante Samuel, that's. I mean, that, that was pretty recent. I feel like I recently just watched. Sante Samuel play but that's my first round mock draft I'm just going to do the the first round you get the bigger names and the more uh needs that need to be addressed and yeah second round just gets you know gets all mixed up so uh we'll keep it simple you know I'm not a I'm not Mel Kuyper or, or Adam Schefter one of these uh these draft experts but you know I used to do this as a kid when I was like 12 13 I used to get all my information and I used to I guess I did the same thing I wrote it on a piece of paper um but yeah I used to look up all the information and then all the team stuff and then then I would 
I would write it down, and then um, then I'd watch the draft, and then I'd compare how, how right I was. I was very accurate in, like, the 2006 NFL draft. Was that when I think the Raiders took Jerry McFadden number four? And then, like, uh, Eric Fisher might have been up there as a draft. I forget. But that one, I was I had, like, the top 20, like, exactly. It was, it was crazy. So I want to talk about baseball. You know, it, it's been a, a good start to the season. You know, most of the talk, though, is the Padres – and the Dodgers, you know, because they had all these big offensive uh, or free agency moves, and they got big name players, and you know, Trevor Bauer signed that big contract with the Dodgers. You know, the Yankees are off to a terrible start. You know, even with the talent that they have there, they're gonna have to blow it up. Um, but you know, so Madison Bumgarner, he he, you know, famously with the San Francisco Giants, but now he's he's with the uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and you know, they had a doubleheader in MLB's rules for the the double headers or seven innings well he threw he threw a no hitter but now it technically doesn't count as a no hitter because it was seven innings my problem with that is if the mlb is going to change the rule to where the game is seven innings it's not like it was a rain delay or anything it was it, it was the game that was decided by the mlb to be seven innings that was their rule that they made so how come if, if it's something that they set up, the game with the rules that they set up to be seven innings and someone throws a no-hitter, how come that doesn't count as a no-hitter if this was a rule that was made by the MLB? It wasn't a shortened game because of weather or anything else. It was the MLB decided that, so that he should get rewarded with his no-hitter that he that he had. Or, I mean, at least put an asterisk like, oh, this was a seven-game of a of you know the the whatever the double header game it was a seventh inning game a seven inning game so you know but put an asterisk if you want but he should still get credit for that because it was a seven inning game and he pitched the entire game and didn't get a hit who cares if it was a nine innings if if you worried about the rule books and it, you wanted it to be nine innings to count then make those fucking games nine innings don't make them seven inning bullshit games Make it nine innings if you want to, uh, you know, conserve the rule book. Make it fucking nine innings, and he would have done it in nine innings also. But that that's my problem with baseball. They they try to change the rules and make things different, but then they don't like reward certain things that should be rewarded, and then they're just trying to cut corners to try to improve the game. But guess what? People are still not watching. It still has issues, you know, with with you know uh, with what channels you can find the fucking game on. Like when I, when I want to watch the game. I go to I go to MLB uh, Network and then it'll always say regional coverage and the regional coverage the other, this was just the other day it said okay it's gonna either show two games it's gonna show the Colorado Rockies against the uh, St Louis Cardinals or it's gonna show the San Francisco Giants versus who are they playing um, I don't know it, it was someone else West Coast it was like the Padres or or something like that. And so I, I, I'm like, okay, well, I live in Oregon, so if I have those two choices, me being in Oregon, I'm probably most likely going to get the Giants and the Padres game because I'm one state north of where the fuck those teams are from. No, I, I turned on the channel, and I get I get the, the Cardinals and the Rockies. I'm living in Oregon. Why the hell do I care about watching the Cardinals and the Rockies. I'm like, I'm not cl any closer to Colorado or to St. Louis. Like, why Why should I have to watch that game? And then it even happened the other day. The other day, it was it was the Dodgers and and the Padres. Or you could watch the Giants and some other team. It was some other team. It was, I don't remember who it was. Uh, or it was like the Reds. I think it was the Reds. And then I'm like, okay. So me being in Oregon and I'm, I live closer to San Francisco than I do to San Diego and to LA. So I'm like, okay, me being here, I'm going to put it on MLB Network, and it's going to be the Giants and the Reds. I put it on, and it's not the Giants and the Reds. It's the Dodgers and the Padres. It should go by fucking geography. If I'm closer to that city, and then they give me the two options, if it's regional coverage... They should give me the one that's closer to where I'm at. They should be able to figure that out, right? Doesn't that make sense? It's, it's stupid. I don't want to watch another game that's on the cross cross country. And then here's my other problem. Then I get all these promotions like, oh, sign up for MLB extra innings because so you can watch out, watch all the out of market games. 
And so where I live specifically, I am technically in market for San Francisco Giants zone, right? And I'm in market for the Seattle Mariners. I'm like four hours from, from Seattle. But I'm nine hours from San Francisco. And I get all the Mariners games. But I, I don't get any of the Giants games locally. So, But then if there's a game that's on TV where it's like on a, on a major broadcast... I'm like subject to blackouts here locally. So if I were to sign up for MLB extra innings and I wanted to just only watch Giants games, I would still be blacked out because I'm because they, they consider me in the local zone, but they don't show the games locally. So then I would be paying money for this extra service and I wouldn't be able to get to watch the games that I want to watch. So it's like this double-edged sword, like you're fucked either way. Can't watch them locally. If you try to do another way with these extra services, you can't watch them either way. So I'm like stuck listening on the radio or I just watch like highlight videos on fucking ESPN or, or Bleacher Report. So I've only watched like two, maybe three games that have been on on a, a national broadcast. Like ESPN actually had it and MLB uh, Network actually had it when, they, when they're like, oh, we're going to do this game or this game. And they actually had it right when it was the game that I wanted to watch. But... It's just so frustrating, and I think that's part of baseball's problem is that each team gets to kind of dictate their zone, or the MLB has like this this map where it's like they have some places that are blacked out because they're like, oh, we're going to get it locally, but like you don't actually get it locally. So like they need to figure that shit out and, and, and sort out the lines and see who gets it locally and who doesn't and make it easier for, for fans to be able to watch their their teams you know because if if you're not the fans aren't even watching their own their own teams they're not going to want to go to a game because they're like so out of the loop like i'm out of the loop like i know they're playing well they're like second in the national league west because that's because i check standings and i and i look up the stats and, and numbers and all this stuff and i'm i'm following them you know closely but i haven't even been able to watch a game and i know they're playing well and, and Puster posey's been hitting home runs and stuff and and, you know, that's nothing. Like, everyone's talking about the Dodgers and Padres, but fucking Giants are right there, right there again, second place. I know it's early, but, hey, man, they're still there, and their their record is, is there's up there. You know, they, the similar similar teams as the past where, you know what, they'd get – you don't even know who their starting lineup is as far as their, their five-man rotation, but they're shutting you down. They're shutting you down. Um, so that's baseball's problem. they got to make it easier to find the games, man. They need to get, like, a new TV deal with – Get one with like TNT or something. I get all I get all these different NBA games that I want to watch on just regular cable. You get TNT, ESPN, they're on ABC. They need to make it easier to watch the baseball games. You get one channel, MLB Network, and they only show like one or two games every time, and it's just like it just sucks, man. And and it's become a regional sport, but not really though. If I'm regionally here in Oregon and I can't even watch the Giants games, like the hell it's like it's a city sport now it's just like you have to be in that specific city to even watch the games for for the teams that you want to even watch and that and then the rule changes i hate these damn rule changes where they have they have the in extra innings they have the person starting at second base if you're at the game and you're like oh this game is too long you need to just leave don't go to the game i like to go to the game and if it's extra innings that's free fucking baseball you didn't pay for that you pay for nine innings of baseball and if you're stuck there for another to for 15 innings man you are a lucky person if you get to hang out there and get and stay out there and, and have a longer game and then you get to see a walk-off like that's awesome like like boohoo you got to sit there for for three hours like tough shit man i hate leaving a baseball game early if i'm with you i'm leaving a baseball game i'm just know that i'm upset if, even if i say yeah we could go no i don't want to go i'm upset if i if i have to leave i, I like to stay the whole game I will leave a little bit earlier for the parking situation because I like I, I can't stand the parking situation. I gotta get out early, but like just a little bit early, not not crazy early, like before the last out maybe. I'm fine with that. But yeah, that's that's what's upsetting me about baseball. Um, just difficult to watch, and it's like the only time you get to go see them play is that you have to go see them in person, you know, and. Uh, but stadiums are, are opening, and I think you have to get some COVID shots. Um, I think for the Giants, you have to. You have to but uh, Seattle, the Mariners, you, I think you just have to have, like, a, a recent test or something. Uh, and then you, you, they have, like, little pods where you can buy two, four, six. I think most stadiums are doing that. So the NBA season is coming pretty close to the end. 
There's about 10 to 12 games left for for each team. And this is where we stand so far in the East. Uh, so 1 through one through 10. So now the Wizards, actually. Now I don't feel as, as stupid about saying that the Wizards were going to be in that, that 10 spot or make it to the playing game because now they're in the playing game. They're, they're right there. One game above uh, the Chicago Bulls. They're at 27-34. Russell Westbrook has been just great these last few games. He broke uh, Will Chamberlain's record for most triple-doubles in a month, I think. Um, and then you have the, the Pacers at 9. The Hornets at 8. 7 are the Heat. 6 Celtics, 5 Hawks. 4 Knicks. And then you have Bucks, Sixers, and the Nets, the number one seed. Man, good for the Knicks, though. Knicks are at 34-28. and 28. Julius Randle. He should be in the MVP conversation, too. I know everyone's talking about um, most improved player in the league, but, uh, man, the way that, that team and that franchise has changed with Tom Thibodeau, it's it's been amazing to watch. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for the playoffs. Uh, we'll do a last uh, recap before um, everything gets finalized. But this home stretch you have uh, right here in the bottom to see who gets the playing game. You get the Bulls are close right there. The Raptors are close. And then after that, there's a big drop-off with the Cavs. The Cavs are basically out. Um, I know a lot of people had issues with the playing game. I kind of did at first. But now I, I like it because it kind of it prevents tanking to a certain extent. Like like here at the end, you have all the way down to the 12th team who's kind of in it still, who can make a run. And after that, 13, 14, 15 in the East are just those three teams are done. So they're they're tanking for sure. And then in the West, at the bottom half, you have, and the Pelicans are like outside looking in. Okay, they're like four games back from the uh, from the Warriors at tenth. So the Warriors pretty much have it solidified if they, even if they go like five hundred in the last few games. Because the Pelicans are just I don't know they're kind of in a weird spot. And then after that, I guess you have yeah Kings, Thunder, and then the rest of the teams are out. So maybe in the West, not so much. It's kind of solidified for who's going to be in the playing game. But you know, it gives the team something to play for and helps them build, you know, for the next next season. You know, same with like the Suns. The Suns got a lot of experience. That was kind of like a playoff for them in the bubble when they lost. Um, they went undefeated there in the bubble, but then still didn't make it. Uh, but you know, that kind of gave them like, hey, this this is a big this is a big game for us. You know, it gives us that experience. And now, if you look at the Suns in the West, they're forty three and eighteen. They're number two in the West in the West, and I think they're going for that one spot. Uh, you have Jazz number one, Clippers at three, and then um, then you have the Nuggets at four, at fourteen twenty one, and then the uh, Lakers, Mavericks moved up. The Blazers have been struggling, man. They were on a five game losing streak. They just won again. Uh, this last game they just won, but now they're playing the Grizzlies again. The Grizzlies have already they're about to sweep them. They have just dominated them. Uh, Damian Lillard has been struggling a lot lately. Um, man, I was so off on them. I had them at the number two seed, I think, and now they're, they're seven. Uh, Grizzlies are at eight. Spurs are at nine. And the Warriors are at ten. So that would be the playing game. I don't want to, I don't know, if I'm all the other teams, I don't want to play the Warriors in the playing game because Steph could just set, drop 65 on me, on my head, and just, just blow us out. Um, but you know what's interesting, though, is if the Mavericks move up, if they pass the Lakers... You know, you would have you would have that four five matchup with Dallas and Denver, which I like. But right now it's a it's Denver and, and the Lakers, which I like too. Um, but then, you know, if that happens you'd get the Lakers and the Clippers at you would get that three six matchup, which would be pretty juicy. Um, in the first round. So, because I think A D and LeBron they're gonna come back. They're just giving them rest. They just gotta get in the playoffs. You know, they they just don't wanna play in that playing tournament. So as long as they're top six, they're fine. You know, I think um, if they could, I guess, yeah, if they could hang hang tight there because they're like three games above that seventh spot. Um, but, you know, because they have a lot of additions too now. You know, they're kind of a different team than they were. You know, when AD and LeBron come back healthy, they'll be, they'll be a lot different. And then in the East, you know, you have uh, Knicks and Hawks would be that 4-5 matchup. The Celtics and the Bucks would be that six and three. The Bucks would just destroy the Celtics. They would not be able to stop Giannis. Um, but you know what would be interesting is if you have the Miami Heat. They're tied right now, thirty-two and thirty, with the Celtics, who are also thirty-two and thirty. If the Heat moved up to the sixth spot and they play the Bucks, that's trouble for the Bucks. Remember what happened last season? 
They just, they know how to play Giannis, and they made Giannis uncomfortable, and they beat him in that playoffs series. And you know, I think they got they got their number, and I think the Heat they want to get to that sixth spot, and they want to play the Bucks because they can they can beat them for sure. And then, um, yeah, but then you have to see who plays in that playing tournament. And man, I'm I really want the Wizards to play to win that playing tournament, and then end up playing the Nets in the first round. Do you remember there was this? It was like right after they acquired uh, James Harden, uh, Russell Westbrook, and Bradley Beal. They had that crazy game against the Nets where they, he had that last second steal, and they threw it into uh, Russell Westbrook, and he hit that three, and it was like the last second. They were like down by five or something, and he hit like two shots. And then they ended up winning by one. It was like 145, 144. It was a crazy game, but it was early in the season. It was like right when they had they had KD still playing, and then they had Harden playing. They were all on the court. Kyrie was there too, and and this is what the Wizards did. Russell Westbrook woke up. He he he'll show up for all the big games, and now here on out, every game is big. So um, so yeah, I, I think it's gonna be exciting here um, on the way out. You know, while all these teams determine seeding and and who they're going to play but there's some interesting juicy matchups there that i'm excited to hopefully see um playing tournament i think it starts early may or the second week of may if i remember correctly but uh but yeah that's um it's pretty much what i want to talk about and uh yeah i did get my shot recently um i feel like dog shit i probably sound a little nasally and stuff um i only got the first one but that was like three weeks ago that I got mine, two, three weeks ago, and I still feel like shit. Um, but now here in the Northwest, we're closing now. We're going back to extreme risk category on Friday. So I got to get a haircut tomorrow before before it's too late. Um, and everyone goes to 25% capacity or something like that. So we're living in a weird, a different different time, a different area, it seems like, than other parts of the, of the country, like Texas. They had a... They had a they had a bunch of college football games and a bunch of people there in the stands with no masks and stuff. So I don't know. It feels weird, but uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Um, I'll be back maybe a couple weeks. Um, and as we get close to the NBA playoffs and and uh, we'll do a recap of the draft and yeah, we'll do that. So thanks for listening to me, and uh, take care.